this morning I'm going to talk about city limit vision. My text is Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. In the New King James it says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Another translation says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy are those who keep the law. Yet another translation says, where there is no prophetic word, the people display no self-control. But blessed are those who adhere to, cling to, rely upon, and solely depend upon your word. Where people do not accept divine guidance, another translation says, which is light and truth, they run wild as in the streets. But whoever obeys the law of God is joyful. And then one last translation says, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are those who keep the law or the word of God. So vision is more than the ability to see. It is what keeps us from living beneath our God-given potential. Jesus asked us to lift up our eyes and see the potential of what God can do When we trust in him, once again, the world does not see need to see good people doing good things. It needs to see God doing big things through people that only he gets the credit for. So when God reveals himself to us, vision or light enters into our hearts. That's where it all starts. Now, this happens so quickly that we don't even feel it. It has nothing to do with feelings. It has something to do with something that's imparted unto us. It's called light and truth and revelation. It just happens so quickly that we go from a place of not being able to see to having clarity to a place that maybe we're foggy or a little confused to a point that we are at peace and we have the ability to focus and stay on task. And that's what vision brings to us. Vision from God, a prophetic word, which means a now word, something God is saying to us right now in this season, something that's current, something living, something that's alive, sparks life within us. And we can become, you know, aware of what God is doing at any time, at any place, because of the vision that he provides So without that, people cast off restraint. What does that mean? They don't live without any borders or boundaries. They have no self-control. George Washington Carver said, in light of this verse, where there is no vision, there is no hope. And people that are hopeless do careless and reckless things because they're looking and longing for a sense of hope in their life. So God reveals himself to us and vision and light enters into our heart. Our mind catches up with what God does in our spirit. But it begins first with God awakening us to that which he has for us. You know, God awakens us in the natural every day and we open our eyes and we begin to see or behold what's in front of us. And we begin to make decisions accordingly. And so it is God awakens us spiritually and our eyes are open and we see the potential and the possibilities of what is before us. And we now live a life that has hope. And that is so important to the human spirit. The eyes of our understanding are now enlightened so we can know the hope of the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. 
then God does something miraculous. Our life of sin, a life without self-control ends and our new life in Christ begins. There's actually the end of a chapter of our life of sin and selfishness and self-centeredness and the beginning of a new life, which is Christ-centered. And so our old self dies and a new creation is born. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there's actually something that takes place in the spirit that you are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. When vision and light and revelation come to us from God, then things change and shift and transfer. Our ownership our ownership is transferred. One man put it this way. When Jesus came into my life, big I moved out and the great I am moved in. Before Christ, it was... It was about us. And when it is after Christ, it's about him. So we have hope and a future. God's rich inheritance is now available at our disposal. You have now become his offspring, his beloved. You're accepted. Your heirs and joint heirs. All of the wonderful truths about who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ is part of that grand inheritance that God has in store for each and every one of us. I was unaware of that till God revealed it to me, and I had a word from him. My eyes were open, my heart was enlarged, and I began to see the potential and the possibility of what God wanted to do in my life. It was more than just me. It was, a, as one man used to say, it, one man prayed, Oh, God bless me and my wife, our two kids, us four, no more. Well, when you come into a knowledge of the truth of God, and the vastness of God and the width and the length and the breadth and the height of God are, are beginning to be become known to you and I, then our vision enlarges. And it's not just about me and my wife and us two kids and us four and no more. It expands into new territory, into, into new turf, as we would say. And God is in the business of expanding and extending our limited vision into unlimited potential. I believe that that is what God does to the human spirit. He puts a can-do in our spirit. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His life was now based around the strength that Christ could provide and therefore the potential of what he could do. That potential has yet to be tapped into by many people in the body of Christ. We're living way beneath our rights and privileges in our covenant and our inheritance as believers because we limit God through our city limit vision. We'll allow him to go so far and then no farther. We can only see so far. So just as far as we can see, that's as far as God can work. And we even make statements like that. You know, the way I see it, the way that I perceive it, the way that I've summed up this scenario And that is limiting God. And we don't want to limit God. You know, we, this is an amazing truth in the scripture, that we have the potential to put boundaries on God, to limit what he wants to do in our life. And yet he has no limits except for those that we impose on him. 
Scripture says in the book of Psalm that the nation of Israel tested and tried the Lord over and over again, limiting the Holy One of Israel. What God wanted to do through them, He couldn't because of their lack of vision, their lack of having a word that burned in their heart that caused them to live beyond themselves, that pulled them over into the arena of faith where all things are possible to those who believe. The devil kept them in the reason of their senses, kept trying to, to, you know, bait them into living according to their understanding. And because of that, God was limited. And yet we know God, the creator of everything that we can see and beyond what our natural eye can see, we can see and know that there really are no boundaries or borders to God. So let's not put them on him. One of the great verses in the book of Ephesians is chapter 3 and verse 20, where really the Apostle Paul is praying for the church, and he's saying that God would do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us in Christ Jesus. Well, what is that power that's at work within us? That's his power. That's his resurrection power. And when we cooperate with that resurrection power, the potentials, Grow. The possibilities grow because the promises are sure and true. So God moves in and little I moved out. Uh, Little Doug moved out, right? And made room for big Jesus to move in. So we now have that hope in the future. Third thing that I want to point out according to our text is God's word became the path we delight in and are happy to walk upon. And happy are the people who keep the law of God. To be envied are those who keep the word of God. To those who cling to, rely upon, and solely depend on God's word, they are joyful. It becomes my delight. It becomes my joy. It becomes something that I'm thrilled to do to walk upon the path that God has planned for me. The joy and the delight of our life is to know the exceeding greatness of his resurrection power, which he worked in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead. Once again, the Apostle Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering so that I can be conformed to his image. But knowing him is the greatest privilege of our life because from that knowledge, we freely make him known. Let me give you the two enemies that we face in life when it comes to believing that our God is more than enough. Here are the two enemies of that hinder us from seeing that God is more than enough. Just enough and good enough. We should never ask God for just enough. And yet... Thousands of people do it, millions probably, if we wanted to put a correct number on it. God, just give me enough. That's all that I need. That's all that I ask. Just give me enough. Well, how can we be a blessing to others if we're just have enough for ourselves? Aren't we blessed to be a blessing? Doesn't scripture say that God will give to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over? Is the running over for us or for somebody else? It's probably for somebody else. But who does he do that to? To those who give. 
Why do people give to gospel work? Because they believe in the potential and the possibilities that they can't outgive God. Why do people hold on to that which rightfully belongs to God? Because they don't have vision. They don't have faith. They don't have belief that God is bigger than what they put in the in the offering. And therefore, they withhold the tithe. And because of that, they live beneath what God wants to do. But some people even believe that God would never ask them to do something outside of their own understanding. I don't understand it. Therefore, God wouldn't ask me to do it. That's probably the very place that God is talking to us is beyond our understanding. He asked us to do things that are humanly impossible so that he gets all the glory. And that's when you enter into that, only God could have done this. But if we live at the cross-section of just enough and good enough, which are the enemies of more than enough, then the life that God has in store for those who love him will never be experienced even though it's available. We are called according to his purposes, and his purposes are bigger than our purposes. His plans are bigger than our plans. If we're living according to our purpose and plan, and we're working our purpose and plan, and that's all that we want, God will bless that to a degree, but it won't be the exceedingly abundantly. It won't be more than you can ask or think. Uh, yesterday, I was playing golf with a couple friends, and uh, and and one of them, uh, he'll pick up every loose tee that he sees around uh, the tee box. I mean, a half broke tee, three quarter broke tee, and every now and then he'll find, uh, and he thinks he strikes gold. He'll find a tee that someone hit and couldn't find, and it's a whole tee, and he just feels like he hit pay dirt. And I was watching him do this, and I just get a kick out of it, and uh, and then. He was talking about the golf balls that he hits and that, uh, you know, he, he goes out and, and I, I'm a proponent of this and he'll look for golf balls. You know, sometimes when we're not playing that good, we walk the edges of the golf course and we look for those that were mishit by our fellow golfers and we, you know, gather them. And, uh, he was, he was saying with great pride how long it's been since he bought a golf ball. And so he's picking up all these used tees and he's so proud about all of the used golf balls that he has been collecting and that he hasn't bought a golf ball for so much. And I said to him and I said, you know, you're acting because he's still in his 40s. I said, you act like, you know, you're at the verge of retirement and you're afraid to spend one dollar because you might need it when you're 72. And that's the way some Christians live when it comes to God. I can't give him the tithe. I can't give him the offering. I can't give him that because I might need that when I'm 72. Well, honey, God knows what you need when you're 72. When you're 49, it'd be best to give what is the Lord's to the Lord. Amen. And if you haven't been a contributor, then it's not too late to get in and give up your limited vision and begin to see the potential and the possibility of what he has for you. Well, he laughed at me and he got the jest and uh, he told me that maybe he'd consider going and buying some golf balls. I said, I will actually go there and document that when you do it. So just let me know and I'll go with you. So it's a lot of fun So uh, to hang out with these guys. But, you know, we all take that as sort of at, at times. I, I remember uh, in my grandmother's house, uh, there was a, a bread, uh, there was a bread drawer. You guys remember in most houses where they used to have a bread drawer. And uh, and so we would go in there 
every morning my brother and I open it up because when we stayed with my grandmother, we had cinnamon toast for, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm sorry, it's getting almost 11 (laughs) o'clock. And you know, you put that in that bread in the toaster and it comes out and it's, uh, she had a magic toaster. It was always just right. You know, she didn't have to, I have a toaster now and I have to push it down twice and it's really like it needs it one and a half times, but it doesn't have that dial that you can just dial in to where it's perfect. So I actually have to toast my toast one time completely, then put it in again and stand there. And then push a button so it pops up, and, and I'm right about 60% of the time. But it has to be sort of that just right texture and warmth so that when you put the butter on it, the butter melts immediately. Then you put the sugar and the cinnamon and tap it on the side. And, and, and <laughs> But in this bread drawer, there were hundreds, hundreds of old bread bags. And I asked my grandmother, why, why do we have all? She said, you never know. (laughs) Douglas Russell, you never know. And I I said, I never know what you never know when you're going to need one. And I said, okay, then as I got a little older, I said to my grandmother, I, because she was a tremendous lady. I said, uh, we got up and we're having breakfast one morning. And and I said, but grandmother, why do you continue to keep all these bread bags? You and granddad are so well off. I mean, you work so hard and you've got such a blessed life. And she said, Doug, sometimes old things die hard. And then I said to her, I said, but every morning I watch you not only feed us, but you always take the ends. Because my brother and I ate a whole loaf of bread. You can judge me later. All right. And today I want to officially say it's the last day of my liver cleanse. The Lord is coming soon. So I get to have bread soon and very soon. When Charlene's not around. All right. So... Um, I said, you not only feed us, I watch you take the ends and you go out and tear it up and you feed the birds. And I said, don't you believe God will take care of you? Don't you have much more value than a bird? We sat down and looked at Matthew's gospel, chapter six. And she said, sometimes it's just hard to give up old ways. And I I think that's the challenge, isn't it, for us, is that just enough and good enough Worked for grandma and grandpa, so it's good enough for us. You know, that's how towns that at one time were thriving stopped growing. Is because somehow the leadership believes, well, if it was good for grandma and grandpa, it's good enough for us. And instead of putting up stoplights and being more progressive with the way they present their community or grow and develop, they keep the same stop sign. Hey, we've had the same flashing light in our, in our city. For 35 years, heaven help us. I mean, it's a monumental thing to have that. There's not many more of those around. You know, we better hold on to it. It might be worth something someday. And I'm like, dude, get rid of the flashing light and get a real one that's like red and green and and yellow. 
And we understand that when it comes to cities that, you know, are dying and they're dying all over the nation and those that are flourishing, what's the difference? Some people live beyond their city limits. They actually change the city limits. And they began to incorporate more land into the city. They rezone things. They rethink things. It's it's bigger than it was good for grandma, but that was 40 years ago. So that worked for that generation. But this generation needs a prophetic word. This generation needs vision and eyesight and clarity. And some of us need to get some adjustment with our glasses. And we need to quit seeing things so fuzzy. And we need to put on something that Jesus has custom fit for us and says, do you see better now? And we can say yes to that. So when God lets us know what he wants to do through us, it will be something that only he can do. If it's something you can do, it's not God. We sometimes forget that when God reveals or speaks to us, they're by his spirit or through his word, he reveals what he is going to do. And then he asks us to join him in his work. God is not asking us, what do you think would be a good idea? Charlene, what do you think would be a good idea? He already has the idea. He wants us to adopt his. We are not called upon to accomplish this assignment by our ability or ingenuity or even with our limited resources. By faith, we proceed confidently, knowing the good work that God has begun in us, he will complete. So to me, it's marvelous that when we get busy doing his will, his way, that all of our needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I shared with you uh, not long ago that when Char and I were in Denver and we had an opportunity uh, to receive a position in Garden City, Kansas, that From a natural standpoint, we were taking many steps back financially. As a matter of fact, our our finances would be cut in in a third, moving from Denver uh, to our next place. And it just didn't seem like the logical or the natural thing to do. But God was leading us there, and by faith we went, and within six months, God had turned the whole situation around. But we would have never been able to see God work if we wouldn't have moved beyond our understanding. It made no sense in the natural. It didn't make any sense, you know, according to the circumstances. But according to God, it made perfect sense. He always leads us to a place where we have to rely on him. If you're not relying on him, then it's probably him not leading us. And that's one of the things that that we have to that we have to come to grips with is that he always asks us to do something that requires faith so that it pleases him and so that he can reward us. So it's marvelous to me. It's marvelous to me that when we get busy doing his will, his way, that our needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Some people believe that God will never ask them to undertake anything that seems impossible. They do not believe God will lead them to do something that they cannot afford or to work outside of their comfort zone or their giftedness. Yet, if we're going to see God at work in and through us, we need to have more than city limit vision. We need to have heavenly vision that changes the way we live on the earth. The truth is, when we accomplish things that can only be explained to others with the statement, 
by God this was accomplished. Only then do we provide a powerful and truthful witness of how good and how gracious God is. Also yesterday when we were out um, hitting the ball around, there was a, uh, a young man that was on the golf course. And uh, I said hi to him. He was over in another fairway. And I said, hey, how are you doing? And uh, he greeted me back. And one of the guys I was golfing with asked how I knew him. And I said, oh, I, I met him and was introduced to him through so-and-so and sort of told him the backdrop of the story. And, and I said, you know, now uh, we've just seen God do tremendous things in his life. And then he, this individual looked at me that I was playing golf with and he said, I believe it. He said, uh, where I used to be the principal at, at a school, he was one of our students. And I said, go ahead. He said he was the most challenging student I had in that class. And I said, continue. And he said, I saw him in the clubhouse when I came in today to get a drink. And I said hello to him. And he started talking to me. And I knew within 30 seconds that something significant had changed in his life. 30, 40 minutes later, out on the golf course, he looks at me and he said, now I know what that difference is. It's Jesus. I said, that's right. It's Jesus. Jesus makes all things new. See, when people identify only God could do that, then only God gets the credit. And I just smiled and I said, yeah, and it's been a joy to watch Jesus work in his life. I stated on Wednesday, and I want to finish with this today, that Jesus is at work everywhere. We just need to identify where he's working and start working with him. When you see a person that's an addict, Jesus is working in that person. When you see someone who's angry, God is working in that person. They're just under conviction. That's why they're behaving that way. That's why they're not conducting themselves in what we would say, you know, a good or responsible way. I see God at work in a lot of people that they would never identify it as God until after God reveals himself to them. And then we all have this in common. I can look back in my life and I can see God working ever since I was a child. I just didn't know it until that day that I said yes to Jesus. Then my eyes were open. My heart was enlarged. Vision came clarity came no longer was i blind but now i could see and now i could start living beyond the possibilities of just what my life could provide i could start partnering with god to see the possibilities of what i could do with his plan and his purpose because my plan and purpose are too small therefore they lay on the side even the thing that i think is grand and good and potentially even God-pleasing isn't big enough or right or good enough when it comes to his plans. So don't settle for just enough. Have more than enough. Live a life where you believe God wants to do more than you could ever ask or think. Think of the possibilities. Think of the promises. Think of the potential. I know it's easy to focus on the problem. Just like my grandmother, the reason I know why she kept all the bread bags is because she lived through the depression, but she wasn't living in the depression anymore. 
And some of us have come a long ways and we need to quit living like we are still back just at just enough or that's good enough. And we need to move on to more than enough. And God may start us at just enough or good enough, but that's not where he leaves us. He asks us to lift up our eyes, to see the potential, to see the possibilities and to invite him into every situation. And for this, he will be glorified. So city limit vision, always have what you've always had. Good enough for grandma, it's good enough for me. Or are you going to go to the next generation? Because my grandmother did not encourage me to collect bread bags. She wanted something better for me. She wanted me to own the bread company. Every generation, the parents of that next generation want them to go farther educationally, occupationally, financially, with their health. I have a longevity in my family. I I have relatives that have lived to uh, be in their hundreds. Willard Scott, how many of you remember Willard Scott from Good Morning America? Uh, Good Morning America, when my uh, great-grandmother turned 100, was on, Willard Scott announced her. She was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, she, uh, she lived in an assisted living and she insisted she didn't need the assistance. And, uh, we believed her. And Grandma Heffernan, and he put a salute, right, to Irene Heffernan. 100 years young today. And my, I was in college at the time. My mom knew what was going on. And they were all, because if you're in Wisconsin, there's, there's probably, and I, and, if you're watching, you're from Wisconsin. I'm not meaning this, and I'm not saying anything against you detrimental. This is just my experience with my family and the good German background we have. Now, you were, you were at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you were either at work or you're in a pub. And they all gathered at one of the local pubs where they brew their own, right, and Walter's beer. Um, my mom said they don't put alcohol content on the label because it depends on who's making it that day. <laughs> so, I mean, it's sort of you get what you get. <laughs> and they were there, and and I was in school, and mom said, hey, they're going to announce Grandma Heffernan turning 100 years old today. Right? That was a monumental time. But listen, we're a lot farther than what we were 100 years ago. When my grandfather was 17, she encouraged him, you have a bigger vision. I think you have bigger purposes than just being here on the farm in Wisconsin. And she gave him the freedom to go and grow. And he went and grew. And that is, that's something that God is saying to us. I want you to go and as you go, you're going to grow. And I don't want you to be stuck in a rut. And I don't want you to believe small. And I want you to believe about the potential and the possibilities of what God can do in and through you because he does more than we can ever ask or think. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641 
828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.